This episode of the Beauty Industry Podcast was brought to you by the Aesthetic and Beauty Industry Council. Be a voice, not an echo. Hello and welcome to the Beauty Industry Podcast, your online support community for the professional beauty industry. I am your host, founding director of Beauty Industry, Tamara Reid. Here, we are closing the competitive gap and speaking your language. This is a platform created and dedicated to the professional beauty industry, valuing community over competition. We serve to help connect you with inspiration from industry experts, expand your knowledge through educational pieces, and bring you the latest in product and technology innovation. This is Beauty Industry. Today's guest is Shoshana Eisner from QED Skincare in conversation with Beauty Industries' Lashana Shepherd. Shoshana graduated from the University of Sydney with a Bachelor of Pharmacy. Using her pharmacy formulating experience, Shoshana started making products for her pharmacy clients who could not find safe, effective, natural solutions to their skin conditions such as eczema, rosacea and psoriasis. The success of these initial products spearheaded years of research and development, harnessing the power of plant formations, resulting in the launch of QED Skincare in 2008. A skincare range formulated for sensitive skin, which included a range of luxury, high-performance ingredients. Today, Shoshana and Lashana discuss the difference between sensitivity and sensitized skins, conditions such as rosacea and inflammation, as well as signs and triggers you'll need to know about if you're searching for answers to help your clients diffuse their skin's redness. Here is Shoshana and Lashana for Beauty Industry. Welcome Shoshana, really great to have you. Thank you so much, I'm honoured to be on your podcast. Oh, well, we love having you here and we're going to get into some amazing conversations about rosacea shortly, but we start the, the podcast with the same question for all of our guests, which is how did you enter the professional beauty industry? So I will answer a little tongue in cheek, which is organically. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I did not grow up with the dream of um, having a beauty empire or anything like that. It was more that I was working as a pharmacist and loving it, but I just kept on hearing the same questions from my customers day after day that there were so many skincare products out there, but yet in particular for people with sensitive skin, they really were not finding products that not only didn't cause them to react, but on top of that were really beneficial so it started with one customer literally who just you know she she one day just turned to me and said oh it's so frustrating there's nothing out there Shosh couldn't you help me and I kind of went hmm actually I can and she actually suffered from rosacea and then she mentioned to her friend that I was making her a product and then it grew from there onwards and the rest is uh, history Oh, amazing. And I have to ask, what was the first product that you made her? Do you remember? I most definitely do because it's still in our repertoire now. So um, this person was actually and still is a pharmacist 
And so for the previous 20 years, all she had been able to put on her face was actually sweet almond oil. And um, as a therapist, you may have played with it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's very inoffensive, but it's Mm -hmm. got a lot of slick. So I guess she was using it because she didn't have to really rub it in. So it didn't cause her redness in that way. But it also doesn't have a lot of benefit because it won't really penetrate your skin. So um, it it occurred to me I needed to make a product that had ingredients that would penetrate into her skin to really boost its resilience. And that's what I, um, it had a different name back then, but right now it's called the Ultra Sensitive Face Balm. Oh, amazing. And the word balm just, it sounds like something that has a lot of slip to it. You don't have to, as you said, rub it in a lot, which is great for a sensitive skin because the last thing they want to do is touch their face a lot and spark up redness, flush before they leave the house, flush before they put their makeup on. So I love balms for that reason as well. And in particular for rosacea, because literally for a lot of people all all you have to do is apply some pressure to your skin and you get that redness even if it's the best product in this in the on the planet but if you have to rub it in a lot that's a problem I also um it's also a balm because I made it out of pure oils because sounds luxurious uh, (laughs) it, it is actually extraordinarily luxurious um a lot of my customers who don't have sensitive skin actually use it as like a, a rich face mask oh, uh, because the oils that I've used actually penetrate the skin. And I, I'm not telling you this to um, sell the product. I mean, obviously no. I'm trying to sell the product, but actually <laughs> the, the, point, the point that kind of drove the whole business was that any product that has water and oil in it, any, which is almost every skincare product out there, as soon as you have oil and water, you need suddenly the ingredient list goes from four to five to 20 Mm -hmm. because you need emulsifiers, you need preservatives because otherwise you're going to grow bacteria and fungus. The product's not going to hold and a whole host of problems. And the thing with most most sensitivities is generally one doesn't know what is their particular trigger. So Mm. making the product out of pure oil, but not any old oil, the right oils, the ones that would go in, eliminated... Uh, the knee like really just cuts that ingredient list down in this case down to four. Oh, that and perfect for a sensitive skin because it is often hard to pinpoint what those triggers are so when you've got something that's uh, I was going to say kind of raw but but it is you know it's just those four ingredients it's such a wonderful concept to go let's throw out all the nitty gritty stuff let's throw out you know what what might be maybe uh, I mean that's where people start to say things like oh glycerin upsets my skin or sweet almond oil upsets my skin it's like oh no it's probably one of the 50 other ingredients in there that that's exactly right and of course scent is a very big trigger for Mm. a lot of people and is um and a, a lot of products actually terrifying for people with sensitive skin and, um, and you, I mean, you'll speak to most women and so a lot of men too, and they will tell you they have a whole um, cupboard full of products that they bought that they just didn't love. But particularly with people with sensitive skin, they've got the added fear of I'm going to spend $70, $80, $300 or even $10 on a product and it's actually going to hurt me. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there's that fear that it won't work and you're going to yeah. invest all that money. And then you've got to either try to gift it to a friend or give it to your mum or do what I like to call goo hoarding, where you just hoard all of these goos and you kind of guess which one is going to be best for your skin. So quality over quantity is just a great basis for a sensitive skin. And or you can do what I do, which is because um, I also have sensitive skin is I buy the I've bought like I have that entire closet full of products but they're expensive and I feel guilty throwing them out so I have to wait yes. until they go bad and then I can yeah. throw them out <laughs> what's a face Murray Kondo would not be impressed with that theory <laughs> <laughs> it's not bringing you joy throw it out only when it's off <laughs> exactly because otherwise it's too freaking guilty because that's just um that's a lot of hard-earned dollars but um going back to the other point is when one says the word oil, people mm. Im- immediately think of oily. Yes. And actually, oils come in all different forms. And there are some oils that actually have a texture almost like water. Mm. There are oils that, as we know, will block pores. And there are oils that actually uh, we know will um, behave like, well, actually, not we know, I know. <laughs> the researchers <laughs> know, will actually help they behave in as, a, as an astringent so we have to take away a bit of a fear of oils and but it's just very careful selection amazing now you spent I mean obviously we're, we're getting hints of your background as a pharmacist yes. in Sydney's eastern suburbs um, and you've also been in New, uh, New York City before creating your skincare line which is QED was there a defining moment other than that client that was that you thought, yeah, I want to make a, a full line. I don't want to just make a few products for friends or family. I want to actually start a full skincare line. Well, I suppose it was a combination of factors. Well, first of all, returning from the United States, which is so customer service focused and like really, and partly because they just have so many people, you really can invent anything and there'll be two million people who need it (laughs) um the the thing is my brand really ended up being customer driven so yes I did create that one product for that one person but actually I had been hearing the same complaint day after day I've been privileged and actually I should say it was always my choice to work in pharmacies where we actually had relationships with the customers. Like I haven't worked in that particular pharmacy for 15 years, but I'm still seeing my customers in the neighbourhood, which I, again, feel privileged. I still remember their names. Don't tell them, but I can still remember what's wrong with them. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) That's where I struggle. I remember faces and names, but I'm like, I can't remember what salon I saw you at or what what we did. (laughs) Yeah, I've got weird memory for not necessarily useful information, Um, but I was hearing it constantly. And actually the pharmacy I was working in was in Westfield Bonnet Junction. So I'm talking about a building with literally thousands of brands of skincare available. And yet constantly people coming through and saying, how is it possible that I can't find the skincare that is right for my skin? And I suppose, and then there's actually another little feature of my brand, which also really came out of my um, New York experience. 
And that is that uh, in the pharmacy, I would often see that when somebody was choosing, say, a cleanser, I would see them, and this was a pharmacy that had like range from mass market to prestige brands. I would see that somebody would say they were looking for a cleanser, they would end up sniffing the cleansers. And often I would end up, I would see them choosing the cleanser that they enjoyed the fragrance of, irrespective of the purpose of the product. Mm. And I do know that um, people don't necessarily think of a cleanser as the as a key, you know, they think it's an important thing, but they just think of it as cleaning. But actually, mm. I think the cleanser is your most important step because um, generally people use quite harsh cleansers and then their poor moisturiser, which is often something that they've spent a lot of money on, just has to undo the damage that the cleanser has chosen. And here I have digressed a little, but the point was that (laughs) but the customers were choosing a product on the basis of the scent that they enjoy. And coming from my New York experience, I was like, wait a moment. For a start, it would be really useful for people with sensitive skin or migraines to be able to have their products unscented. But it would also be wonderful to have basically a scent library where you would choose the product that's right for your skin and then you would choose the fragrance that you would enjoy and then we'd combine them. So that's another point of our customization, which uh, which I would say is pretty much unique. I think it's a fabulous idea because as someone that has obviously used cosmeceuticals and that has sold cosmeceuticals, I have had issues with retailing where I'm like, this product's going to be fantastic for you. And people are like, oh, but it smells like, you know, it smells horrible. I won't say what. (laughs) I'll keep it clean. But (laughs) it, it gets very, very hard for them to use that product and especially daily if they absolutely hate the scent. It doesn't matter how good it's going to be. It doesn't matter if it's the best, you know, product in the world. If it smells like poo, they don't yeah. want to use it. <laughs> no, you're right. You are quite right. But also it doesn't even need to smell like poo. No. <laughs> it just like the, the thing you sent is really personal. So yeah. um, one person to them, a, a beautiful lavender fragrance is heaven and makes them feel like they're frolicking through a field in Provence. Somebody else uses that same product with lavender fragrance and it may be a beautiful lavender but they're like smells like nan (laughs) exactly yeah and it cranky nan yeah it's not good memories not lovely nan no and if anyone that's listening has ever done um aromatherapy you know that the smells that you enjoy are often what your body needs and craves and wants so i think that's a fabulous customization and definitely very unique i haven't heard of anyone else doing that which is fabulous thank you (laughs) and often, often my customers say to me but i don't really need the scent you know that's that's not Uh, central to the function Uh, but as women we're often so time poor and I just often give them the analogy of uh, if you get in the shower and use any old shower gel your skin may come out clean if you get in the shower and use a shower gel in a fragrance that you love even if you're in that shower for two minutes you're you are clean but you're also happy Mm. 
just think about that. Like literally in two minutes, you can have a little therapy session. Yeah, you can have a good experience or you can just go in there and get clean. That's right. And if it helps that the product is actually designed not to strip your skin as well, so even better. even better. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what makes you so passionate about treating sensitive skin? Now, you did mention that you yourself also have sensitive skin. Is that where that passion comes from? Look, I'm not going to lie. Obviously, we, we are interested in something that is relative to us. Uh, but also, really, what I loved about pharmacy was that people would confide in you. Actually, sometimes I was surprised at how much they would confide in you and figuring out a solution for their problem. And they trust you. And that's really precious. But the thing was, there just was not, there were, there were, there were not the options. They, they, I'm not saying that there were not any skincare solutions for sensitive skin in particular. It's just that they tended to focus less on building the resilience of the skin and more on doing no harm. So they tended mm. to reduce the ingredients down to nothing. Like, for example, the go-to was sorbeline. Yes. And... Yeah. Um, which is generally inoffensive, but it's also not really supportive. And, the, and everything that I have ever learned uh, about sensitive skin, rosacea included, is the more moisture that you can get into your skin, the healthier the environment of your skin, the more resilient it is, the less likely it is to flare. And particularly being in autumn, Sometime in the next couple of days, the temperature is going to drop right down and, and people, poor people in the southern states, they're already there. Uh, if your skin is not well hydrated, any sensitivity is just going to go nuts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that is key, what you just said there. There is there, well, there, there is, there are products out there that do amazing things for calming the sensitivity, maybe yeah. when it's flushing, or they just do nothing. They're just inoffensive. Yeah. But what you've done is you've taken, obviously, you've combined that inoffensiveness with something that's actually going to help to improve their skin, which is very, very hard to find, especially for a rosaceous skin. Plus, the added feature is, People with sensitive skin still deserve to be able to use a luxurious product. Yes. You know, self-care has become, we've become much more conscious of it in the, in the COVID era. And they're like people with sensitive skin deserve to have a luxurious ritual, which um, is good for their soul, but also really good for their skin. So that's Absolutely. what, and, and then of course, so yes, treating sensitive skin was my primary driver, but actually in creating this range, it was re like really safe for sensitive skin, but even better for people who don't have sensitive skin. Absolutely. And stress, as we know, is a huge factor in sensitive skin. Absolutely. So if you can take that five minutes of your time, whether it's in the shower, at the basin, in the bath, and have it be a luxurious experience. Yeah. I mean, it's just tick, tick, tick. 
you know, checkbox all, all marked. And not only are you treating the symptoms topically, but you're also obviously de-stressing, taking a moment for you. And sometimes that is of huge benefit to your skin as well. There, there is, it, it's not theoretical. There is scientific, endless scientific research that shows that with particular skin conditions, in particular rosacea and things like psoriasis, there is no question whatsoever that stress is a massive uh, trigger. So basically de-stressing, taking time for yourself to uh, use relaxation techniques, de-stressing plus there is no question that adding, like using really rich moisturisers that are with ingredients that are not going to trigger a sensitivity, this is not cosmetic. This is yeah. actually necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, I've touched on this before in a previous podcast where I always compare it to like a Nokia 3310 to an iPhone. You know, back in the day with the cosmetics that were those really rich, luxurious, but only worked on the outside and was full of fragrance creams, they were it. They're, they're your Nokia 3310. They were great and the technology back then was you know, probably on par with where everything was at. Now we've got Androids and iPhones and the technology has changed. So why can't we have all that luxurious good stuff, but let's pick it apart and go, okay, well, fragrances aren't very good. Let's nix that. But we can still have a luxurious cream that's going to do the, the hard work of getting your skin into a state that we need it to be in to be healthy and function well. So there's no reason you can't have both. And obviously QED meets that mark. (laughs) Thank you. And look, the thing is that um, when we're conscious of our face, I mean, again, people may say that, you know, taking some people may think that taking care of their skin is just cosmetic, but our face is what we present to the world. And there is no question that um, diffuse redness or pimples and things like that, they have like a dramatic impact on our own self-esteem which can impact your relationships, it can impact work. And and even the example of like a situation of hand dermatitis Mm. has like a distinct effect on work productivity. If if it's hard to type, if it's hard to write, if you, you know, anyone who works with their hands in water, if their hand eczema or dermatitis is out of control, like literally we're talking about inability to work. And especially now after COVID, how much are we washing our hands and sanitizing and trying to be clean and after eating? And it's it's a lot. And if you're uncomfortable all day, every day, you can't help but carry that in everything that you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> now, obviously, in frustration, you have decided to try out your own skills and your science background, and you made those custom um products for your clients you made QED were there any challenges that you you faced when you started QED when you started getting your product line up and running absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well uh, for a start um I I didn't just like go oh let's just toss this ingredient and that ingredient together no. and see if it works 
So coming from a pharmacist background, I'm all about evidence and about proven ingredients. Uh, also, um, I developed it when I had small children and having kids really shifts your focus to, um, to like the idea that we need the planet to keep on being there for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was really important for me to use to design a product that was not only effective but also was made out of plant-based ingredients and you one may wonder why are there not more we'll call them cosmeceuticals that are truly natural products and um i'll give you a reason uh natural ingredients are fickle mm. a chemical is reliable um it is it, it's it's re when i say reliable as in how it will mix into the product yes okay so like the carbon hydroxide blah 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 that comes out <laughs> of the factory irrespective of whether it's toxic or not every time that the uh, manufacturer uses it it's going to come out the same way when you're using natural ingredients, we have terroir, just like, you know, when they talk about the wine being grown on which side of the hill. Um, when there is a drought in Argentina, suddenly jojoba production stops. And so basically there is continuous tweaking that is required with products that are made out of natural ingredients. So that that is definitely a challenge. And I would also hazard that is why a lot of the bigger companies don't offer truly plant-based ingredients, though obviously there is a shift to more and more of that. Um, the second thing is we it was really important to me to make it manufacture in Australia, not only because I could have my control freak eyes on it, <laughs> but also there's a quality involved in manufacturing Australia except Australia is really far away <laughs> <laughs> so ingredients um like sometimes like you just cannot get an ingredient so that sometimes ended up with running out literally and I've got my you know my customers saying I need my mask and I'm like I can't get such yeah. and such ingredient of the quality that I need. So, yes, those are definitely some challenges. <laughs> Did you find that you had to pivot or change anything as you were going to try to make it a bit more of a smoother process? Yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. Everything needs to pivot. <laughs> Absolutely everything. I mean, let, let me tell you, um, if you like sudoku or, mm -hmm. or or really like um complicated puzzles start your own business <laughs> <laughs> you good piece will, of advice <laughs> you will never get bored the learning curve is steep um every time you think that you figured something out something changes changes yep <laughs> literally you will never get bored <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, it's a good piece of advice <laughs> yes the, I guess conversely if you don't like puzzles do not start your own business <laughs> I think it's it's interesting for therapists especially because some of us are very set in our ways and we like things a certain way so when it comes time for us to pivot or change that can be quite a hard 
process. Whereas yep. there are some of us in the industry that are like, next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. So I think you do have to have some fluidity and some flexibility if you are going to venture into any kind of business ownership in this industry. It's such a ever growing. And, you know, as you said, the research constantly changes and upgrades and ingredients change. And with that, obviously we have to move and shift and flow with it. So probably not for someone that's very set in their ways. Yeah. But having said that, um, as we well know, every year a must have ingredient that's literally going to save us seems to turn up on the market. Mm. And literally, this is the one. Finally, wrinkles have been solved, you know, acne has been solved. Mm. And and anyone who has been reading magazines for any period of time, or in my case, uh, about 30 years, maybe more, <laughs> uh, will have noticed that these must-have ingredients are here this year and then suddenly they were going to save us and then they disappear because uh, it is an industry that's very much driven with by marketing. And um, so my approach is very different. I, I am not pivoting to the latest ingredient because it's out there and the customer is, wants it because they're hearing about it or they're reading about it. To me, using proven ingredients is much more important and we're blessed that we live on a planet that has these extraordinary proven ingredients, even though sometimes they may be a, a pain in the backside to work acquire. with. Yeah. yeah. And acquire. <laughs> Amazing. After the break, Shoshana talks to ingredients and solutions for clients with sensitive skin. But first, a word from today's beauty partner. The Aesthetic and Beauty Industry Council has officially launched to industry professionals for the betterment of the industry. With three simple membership options to choose from, there is something for everyone from students currently studying, individual sole traders or clinic owners managing teams. For more information on the association or to sign up today, head to www.theabic.org.au. Thank you so much to the ABIC for making this episode of the Beauty Industry Podcast possible. And now back to Shoshana. Well, we're going to get into a little bit um, of the nitty gritty of our podcast today because um, obviously we've spoken about it quite a bit already, but we're going to talk about rosacea and rosacea for me having an education background is probably one of the biggest mysteries, puzzle pieces, hardest conditions for therapists, doctors, nurses to figure out or even just to identify and diagnose. Obviously, it comes in a whole array of different shapes and sizes. Um, But from your point of view, can you just summarize what is rosacea and how is it different to a little bit of flushing or a bit of redness? So that um, it's a very complicated question, but exactly as you said, it's actually really hard to diagnose because it does come in many guises. So the most uh, well-known guise, of course, is the flushing, the redness, Um, but we know there are other reasons why people can flush. 
it can sometimes appear as almost like little pimples. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you can get thick, uh, it can progress to thickening in the skin. And about 50% of the people who have rosacea also get um, eye involvement mm. with um, redness, itchiness, soreness, and um, they may get a lot of styes. So I'm trying not to be, I'm trying to explain this in a way that like, well, I'm, I'm hoping not to get too technical, but to mm. also clarify. The, some of the other issues with rosacea is that it's more obvious in people with paler skin. Mm -hmm. So the, it often, it is more likely to get diagnosed in people with paler skin because it's more obvious when their skin goes red, but that does not mean that it doesn't actually exist in people who's, who have darker complexions. Um, one of the clues that it's unlikely to be rosacea is if you've got involvement around the scalp or around the ears, it's very unlikely. Rosacea really tends to happen on your face, in particular around the nose, the nasolabial, like around, around the mouth and nose, around the cheeks. Um, it is much more common in women. Tends Yay. to, it, I know, woo, <laughs> yay, woo, girl power, woman. exactly. <laughs> it tends to appear uh, it, around the 30s, around the age of 30. It can appear in men, and in men it can often have a very different appearance. They can often get more thickening around their nose area. Mm -hmm. And in reality, I would say that the best way to get it diagnosed is actually to get it looked at by a doctor. Absolutely. Uh, because a lot of the, so like one of the things is because you're going to get this, because you get a lot of redness, one of the go-tos to treating redness medically is actually using a steroid cream, even a very mild steroid cream. But actually in the case of rosacea, sometimes it can make it worse. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it needs to be managed carefully. The other thing with rosacea is it does not tend to go away. There is, unfortunately, there's no cure. Um, interrupt me if I'm going on too much detail. No, you're, you're wonderful. <laughs> okay. Thank you, my love. <laughs> Anytime. I, you're my friend. <laughs> Uh, there medically there are some treatments that can make it a lot better um, people um, can have some success with certain uh, antibiotic creams occasionally even antibiotic tablets some people even need to use roaccutane mm -hmm. for relief I have but having said all that the most important thing with rosacea is actually prevention so keeping your skin in the in its best possible condition is actually what's going to um, lead to it not progressing and also it will have your skin most comfortable. Um, now, have you had rosacea? Do you suffer from rosacea yourself? I don't know. I have a very weird skin, so I am half 
Australian, half British. So I do have a bit of that kind of thinner skin. So I do get capillaries quite easily and I do have a little bit of easy redness and sensitivity, but I'm also super oily and get acne even in my 30s. Hooray. Um, and again, that comes with having gut issues, etc. But yeah. being that half of my family is British with very sensitive porcelain skin, quite a few of them do have rosacea or have had rosacea so um my mum has had it in bouts and she is just for context if it's four so it's very hard to identify on her because she's quite a dark skin even being british she's very yeah. very dark she gets mistaken for greek all the time oh. um but she does have a lot of broken capillaries and she does get a lot of stinging, itching. She can't use things like vitamin C as much as she would love to because she wants that collagen. Um, she has to be very mindful of everything that she puts on her face. And she always says it's like sharp, stinging pain on the inside. So while she doesn't have anything that's papiopustule, she yep. doesn't have any breakouts and you can't see a lot of broken capillaries because her skin is quite dark. You can yep. see a couple of little patches. Um, it, it's quite a hard one to diagnose and it probably took her quite a few years to kind of figure out what was going on. And she knows that it will never cure and she just has to be mindful. Most of the time she uses the bare minimum of products anyway and she's not a yes. makeup wearer. So she stays out of the sun. She does the right thing with her skin and it tends to be left alone but she knows the second she has used something that's inappropriate for her skin or that has upset the balance of her skin. Well, you actually raised a few points that I forgot to mention. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so there is a strong hereditary component. So mm -hmm. if somebody in your family or in particularly in your case, when you described a number of people in your family have a history of rosacea, that definitely increases your chances of having it. And then one of the other big signs is when you use a product that is otherwise gen potentially innocuous, you do can you may feel that stinging, itching, burning, mm -hmm. and also then in technically there are four forms of rosacea, and one of them involves this uh, appearance of broken capillaries. So thank you for filling in my gaps. Oh, you are. We're, we're, we're an awesome team. We um, are. <laughs> we are. And the, the other thing with rosacea is that there are triggers. And I'm, I'm not anyone who's listening to this who knows they have rosacea, I'm not telling them anything new, but people who are not, who don't realise that that's what's going on because as I said it can appear like so many things it could appear like pimples mm -hmm. on your skin it, it could appear just like broken capillaries it could just appear like thickening um, but there are certain triggers which are famously uh, trigger a reaction with rosacea and some of these might happen for you and some of them may not um, one is alcohol caffeine sun exposure, um, obviously applying products that have ingredients that trigger you in particular and spicy foods. Mm. Um, so there is a little bit of trial and error. So if you have noticed that you have, that you're getting like this flushing 
And um, like you mentioned with your mom, having more of an olive skin tone, sometimes the flushing can actually appear almost like, um, like a slightly darker brown patches mm. as opposed to, you know, red. Uh, exactly. You know, red we associate with um, inflammation, but actually in a darker skin, in this case, like almost like a browner color can be associated with inflammation. So my recommendation, the first recommendation, if you, if any of what we're talking about kind of sounds like you, is I would start making a little bit of a diary. And it doesn't have to be super huge, but each time you notice that you have a flare, like suddenly you notice, oh, something's stinging, or, oh, I suddenly have like this red patch and the flushing can go all the way from your forehead all the way down to your decolletage. Just put that tiny little note down. 10 a.m., I've just been for a walk on the beach. Suddenly I'm red. Um, you know, 10, anything, 15. Anything at all. 10, 15, I just had five margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> it's 12 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the best thing about being in Australia. Sorry. <laughs> just, you know, 7 p.m. just had the most delicious, um, gorgeous, spicy meal and I'm red. Um, then, of course, things like overly hot showers. Mm. They're... Um, Bikram yoga is probably a bit of a disaster. <laughs> or I just tried this, you know, I, I was walking past Mecca and I just tried this sample. Mm. Um, and I, oh, and I have a red, I have a redness. Hmm. So just if you start, no, if you just start keeping like a little bit of information, um, just just teeny tiny notes. They don't need to be detailed. This can sometimes this can really add up to a picture. Um, you could mention it to a knowledgeable beauty therapist. There's some wonderfully experienced beauty therapists out there. Mention it to a pharmacist. And if if all the points are starting to add up to a possibility of rosacea, even consider going to see your GP. Absolutely. And sometimes it's those little notes that will pull it all together for you because sometimes it can seemingly be random because Absolutely. it may not happen in that first five minutes of eating that curry it might That's progress right. over half an hour or it might be after that second glass of wine or maybe you've had a really stressful day at work and then the next day you've woken up red flared etc so absolutely I think that's great advice to keep notes because Otherwise, it just seems like it's coming out of nowhere. And I'll tell you something else. There are other reasons why those triggers can make you go red. So, for example, this, this is going to sound stupid, but you've just been for a big walk outside and you're hot. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. It's made you red. But here's one that's less, less known. There is something called a disulfiram reaction. Um, which is more common in smaller people with smaller frames. And um, I believe it's also more common in people with Asian backgrounds where when they drink alcohol, their face goes red. Mm. And it tends to be accompanied by a headache. Yeah, so wow. okay. so that, that's a little bit of a clue that that is 
not actually like a rosacea or a skin condition. It's literally your body almost has like a an allergy to alcohol. So so just by keeping like these little notes, there there are different reasons why. And also um, an, another trigger for rosacea can sometimes be a medical condition flaring up or a change of medicine. So literally just like that little note of, oh, I noticed that this flare and then kind of like have a little think, have I changed something? Yeah, absolutely. Um We've kind of covered off, you know, what some of the foods are that are the most inflammatory. Um, and you've kind of pointed out that rosacea is a little bit like Goldilocks trying to find the perfect bed. Trying to diagnose something like rosacea can be very, very hard. And then on top of that, also trying to find the right products for a rosacea skin or a sensitive skin can be very, very difficult. For someone that is much like your clients that you, that started off with, um, that were looking for a skincare line or something to help with um, just di- not diagnosing, but just looking after their skin, just starting to want to do more than just band-aid the symptoms, where should they start looking? Have you got any kind of tips and tricks for a sensitive skin out in the real world that can just help them care for that skin a little bit better? Uh, Well, for a start, pair back. Mm -hmm. So basically, uh, particularly if you've got a a complicated skin routine, um, it's a bit harder for me to say, stop using any makeup or anything like that, because I'm actually not saying that. And um, Mm. And actually a, a doctor will recommend, and, and I would recommend, like if you're having a flare-up of rosacea, a, an appropriate concealer is your is your It's your best that, friend. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but what I really would suggest is try pairing back and because one of your products that you're using might be triggering your problem or all of them. (laughs) Um, So in particular, anything new, any, and this is the rule for anybody with sensitive skin, any new product that you ever want to try, you have to start with a patch test. And what does that mean? Literally one little dab, generally I'd recommend behind the ear because if you have a reaction, nobody's going to see it. Dab it on, wait 24 hours ideally, because as you mentioned before, it's, Sometimes you'll get a reaction straight away and other times it may take a while. And then if you get no reaction, then I would do one dab somewhere a bit more visible because sometimes your skin on your face will be more reactive and it's only at that point that I would actually apply a product um, to your whole face. Never try five products at once. No. Because <laughs> um, that can like overburden your skin. The other thing is skin that is um, reacting, so inflamed skin is always going to react. So do not bother trying something new when your skin is reacting. Absolutely not if it's broken because um, 
again, you're, it, it will be a disaster. It's just going to make it worse. Um, I'm just trying to think of, there, there was something else I was going to say. <laughs> um, and of course, like if a lot of people will never recognize their exact triggers, but if you do know what your triggers are, if you are having a flare up, try to avoid cutting down on them. And as we know, stress is also one of those, but the best thing you possibly can do. And again, I cannot stress this enough because we're going into autumn now is get your skin into optimal condition right now. So Absolutely. as much moisture that you can get in as possible. In, in your case, you're describing that you also have acne. Though I'm possibly going to suggest that you might go see a doctor because that acne may actually be connected to the rosacea as opposed to, sorry, I'm not trying to tell no, you. No, 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 please, please, please. It's just like it's just occasionally with rosacea, what can appear like a pimple might actually be part of the rosacea process. So you, and also you want to look for products that are created for sensitive skin. Mm -hmm. Minimal, you want, when you look at the ingredient list, you want to see a short ingredient list and any legitimate range for sensitive skin uh, should be happy to send you A, samples and B, have a 100% guarantee because anyone who truly respects people with sensitive skin knows that you are not going to know if it works until you try it. It doesn't matter even even your like your your twin your identical twin what works for them may not work for you. So Absolutely. And I think that's important for a lot of therapists to hear because Yes, obviously, we have KPIs we need to hit. Obviously, yes, we want yeah. to retail and get that client using that product as often as possible. But there does have to be that respect for a sensitive and rosaceous skin. It does take time to identify whether that product is going to be a sensitizer for them or not, whether it's going to cause a flare up. If you can provide them with a sample, if you can give them a little pot to start with, try it for a week and then see how everything goes because even sometimes applying it once in the treatment room isn't enough That's to identify right. whether it's going to be something that aggravates um and what you said there about pairing it back if anyone's like me with inflammatory bowel issues it's the same notion if you're yeah. if you're unsure of what is upsetting your gut upsetting your skin anything at all it's always a great idea to pair it back and introduce things one by one. And I don't mean one a day, <laughs> please don't yeah. introduce one a day. It will not work. Maybe take a week or two and slowly start to introduce things one by one very slowly so that you can identify what's working and what's not and give those things a good one to two, maybe even three weeks to just make sure that they aren't aggravating your skin in any way absolutely and you've raised a very important point with regards to um, therapists and meeting your kpis and things like that uh, the truth of the matter is that if you uh, i'm giving away my business secrets here <laughs> listen up people <laughs> listen up so if Yes, it's expensive to give your customers samples and it and it is costly 
to offer a money-back guarantee, but particularly with people with sensitive skin, by offering them a seamless return policy, you will actually have their customer, they'll be your customers for life because they will actually see that you truly care. You're not just trying to make a sale. Like they're, they're aware they've been sold to a million times before, but they will know that you actually care about making their skin better. And as a beauty therapist, that is our goal. Like, and, um, and I love the title beauty therapist as opposed to beautician. We hate the word beautician sometimes. If we've done a more advanced diploma, beautician is a little bit lower. So if you tell a beauty therapist they're a beautician, they'll usually bite your head off. (laughs) Yes, but I'll tell you why I love the word beauty, the title beauty therapist, because you are providing therapy. And as you know, uh, once you close the room and the person has taken most of their clothes off and you've seen under their makeup and Mm -hmm. you actually know a lot of their secrets and I've been astounded at what people will tell you in that cone of, like there's a cone of trust, Mm -hmm. but you are their beauty therapist and you're providing a therapy for for their soul, but you're also really providing a therapy for their skin and you will build their trust. This is the thing. And actually also reminds me one of one other issue when you're doing a treatment with somebody with rosacea, do not apply any products onto inflamed areas. This is like a, a rule, again, something that experienced beauty therapists would know, but less like less experienced ones may not realize. Be really careful with inflamed areas. With somebody with rosacea, I would avoid steam, however mm-hmm. wonderful it may be for skin, but you're, you're likely to aggravate their skin and also then all the lovely products you're putting on afterwards are more likely to react. Um, and also, like Goldilocks, I would use lukewarm towels on their face. Too cold might cause a reaction. Too hot might cause a reaction. You'd need it to be just right. <laughs> um, and, again, not too much rubbing, more pressing, pressing in product. The more pro- the, um, And if you think about it, when you're doing a treatment, you you have got all these, you should be working with all these beautiful products. These customers in particular, or any customers with sensitive skin, you want to push as much of that product into their skin. So pressing actions as opposed to rubbing actions is um, really going to be a much more beneficial technique. From a treatment point of view as well, less is more. So often... I went during education, we would talk about treatments for rosacea and a lot of therapists would go straight into, oh, I'm just going to use a hot laser on their broken capillaries. It's like, no, you need to get their skin health, you know, happy. You need to get them so that their skin is in a state where it can handle that heat because, and I'm going to get a little bit scientific here, 
our immune cells in our epidermis, our Langerhan cells, their little legs shorten when they're introduced to heat and they're already a little bit short and a little bit vulnerable, or maybe they've retreated to the dermis because that person has rosacea already. So that yep. epidermal immune system that we need in order to keep that skin healthy and strong isn't functioning perfectly in someone with rosacea. So throwing a whack of heat on there, it's not the way to go. So using something like ultrasound to push beautiful products into the skin deeper and more effectively, you know, light padding motions, keeping, you know, away from the hot towels or the really cold water, staying away from chemical peels, staying away from granular exfoliants, keeping it really yep. basic and light. LED is fantastic, but less is always more, even if it's just a beautiful product being applied and then infused with um, ultrasound is perfect. And I, I just... Another thing that I want to add is the actual definition of sensitive skin has changed. And I, I love this definition because I think it, it really describes it well. And, and that definition of sensitive skin is impaired barrier function. Mm -hmm. And that may manifest in so many different symptoms, but as a beauty therapist or somebody recommending product or in my case when I'm formulating the products my entire goal is about improving the barrier function we want to we want to normalize the customer's barrier function and that is how they turn from having flare-ups of sensitive skin to basically to effectively having normal skin and, you know, it's, it's a bit like, um, you know, a buzzword in psychology is resilience. You know, we want yeah. resilience children, resilient children, we, and we want to be resilient adults. And if you think about it in a workplace situation, if you are feeling strong and confident in yourself and a co-worker says something not so nice, <laughs> you laugh at it and mm. you keep on going with your day. If you are feeling... And that's basically your personal barrier function is resilient and it's intact. If you are feeling um, self-conscious, if you are not feeling secure in yourself, that same little comment, which may have even been made innocently, it stings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I used to explain it to my clients and my students like cracked sand. So we always have that image in our head of a barren desert that has all of this cracked sand. And it's very indicative of especially a dry, flaky, rosacea or sensitive skin because anything you put on top of that is just going to fall straight down the cracks. It's going to go deeper than the product's intended active ingredients that may be inappropriate for that skin. It's just going to cause it to go red straight away. It's yeah. going to sting, itch, horrible. If you flooded that sand with water and filled in the cracks and got the barrier all smushed back together, 
anything you put on top of that will slowly sink into the dirt at the rate that it's supposed to sink in. Everything, um, you know, does the job it's supposed to because that barrier is now intact again. So you can't just go and slap whatever you want on a sensitive or impaired barrier because it's it's not technically acting as a barrier anymore. It's It's impaired and we need that for topicals for UV exposure to not flare us up so much. We need it to stop the um, reaction of broken capillaries and things happening from things like product, the sun, et cetera. It's imperative to the entire function of the skin. So I love that you pointed that out because I think that's something that a lot of therapists forget. We go in and treat the symptoms. We don't treat the underlying cause and the barrier we need for everything, acne, rosacea, pigment, everything relies on Absolutely. a healthy barrier. And, and actually, I love that analogy and I'm, I'm going to use it. I'm going to oh, quote you. <laughs> Thank you. And, um, and I'm just going to add a little one, a simpler one that I use when I'm talking to customers who don't necessarily have such an understanding of the skin's layers. Because for a start, um, well, actually covering what you just described, Skincare products are actually designed to work on the top. And when in your cracked sand um, metaphor, when the products are going all the way down, they're actually going into areas where they're not meant to be. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the problem. But, okay, so sorry, I digressed a little. No, but going back, to, going back to the example that I give to our customers is ever had a paper cut? Yes, everybody's <laughs> had a paper cut. Make a salad dressing that night, squeeze a lemon over that paper cut, even a little bit of tomato juice, and it stings like hell. No paper cut. You could like bathe in a, a bathtub of lemon juice and it would feel like nothing. Like literally, that paper cut is at the simplest level, that is an impaired barrier function and it's created a sensitivity. So treatment for sensitive skin and in particular rosacea is all about prevention and it is all about improving barrier function. And that is where as a beauty therapist and as a provider of skincare, we have a really important role to fulfill and it's not cosmetic. Mm, absolutely. I love that analogy. I'm going to take yours as well. <laughs> Let's wrap up. What is the biggest mistake that you see with people with sensitive skin? Obviously, we've covered quite a few of them, but what is the one biggest mistake that you see that you just want to grab people and go, stop doing that? <laughs> It's not helping. <laughs> uh, the biggest mistake that I'll see is their cleansing. So yeah. people, um, like if you did a survey on the street of people, what is, um, what, is, what is the product for your, in your cosmetics, in your skincare routine that you would spend the most money on? And without a question, they would say their moisturiser. And if you ask them about like their cleanser, they'd kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, I use whatever. I may use whatever's in the shower. Often I'll speak to women who are in their 30s and 40s or older who are still using the same foaming cleanser that they've been using since they were a 
you know, a teen when their skin had very different needs. And the reason is, is because they think of a cleanser as something to clean. Mm-hmm. So the biggest mistake really and truly that I see is that people, they are, the problem with those foaming cleansers and things like that is they actually stripping away your poor impaired barrier or even you, you don't, don't have, have. Impaired barrier. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You didn't have it to start off with and it's stripping it away more. So people, even without sensitive skin, they're taking away all their protective oils and then they're relying on their poor expensive moisturizer, often of which they're using like the tiniest little dab because it's expensive and it's got to last a long time. Mm. Actually, can I throw in another one? Go for it. Not using enough product. Yes. Yes. And people do one of two things. They either squirt it out like their Nikki tutorials on YouTube and throw it all over their face, which always makes me cringe. Yes. But either that or they go, well, this product needs to last. So I'm only going to use it at night and I'm only going to use like a, a, you know, the head of a needle's worth and that's it. And that poor little moisturizer, it might be fantastic, but it cannot do the job because it's there's just not enough of it. No <laughs> so way. Generally, generally <laughs> a moisturizer, if you are getting like it's a 50 gram moisturizer for your face, should ideally last about two months. Um, when I see customers re- replenishing every year, I'm re- honestly hoping that they're buying from somewhere else. Even- <laughs> because um like in between because like a a 50 gram moisturizer that has lasted you a year you're not getting anywhere near the benefit and I suppose can I throw in one more because I'm really naughty because I'm breaking the rules no go for it (laughs) and this is one that I really don't blame them such absolute fear that they end up using nothing yes and I have seen that one a lot where they go, no, I don't do a thing. I'm not touching anything because it's out of pure fear and bad experience and flare-ups and being misdiagnosed is a big one where they were given vitamin A's and vitamin C's and all this stuff to fix their capillaries and it's just made them so horribly breakouty. They've had a retinoid reaction that they just go nothing. I use water. Yeah, and water is actually really bad. I know I mean, it's we're hydrophobic. <laughs> we are literally we have an oily surface, so too much water will start to draw the water out of your skin. So my recommendation mm. with water is drink it. Yeah, <laughs> drink a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really good for your skin. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, so actually, I created a most of my cleansers are actually no rinse for that purpose, but I, I wasn't trying to put that in for a pitch, but like literally water is a disaster. And exactly as I said, and exactly as you said, the poor people with the sensitive skin who are so terrified because they've had these awful reactions. So they end up using just water. Water. Absolutely. My background um, is actually in teaching technology. And one of my biggest bugbears was people getting a hydrodermabrasion and putting water Uh through it and using water and I'm like you're dehydrating the skin oh but they're sensitive I'm like 
no. <laughs> um, I've seen it a lot and I've seen therapists do it and it would yeah. horrify me. We are hydrophobic. That's why we can run into the ocean and we don't blow up like the Michelin man. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, um, and, you know, just like I said that I think cleanser is the wrong word. It's, mm. it's, a, it's a word from history in beauty therapy. Like we shouldn't because the purpose of a cleanser is not just to clean. Um, I think the word hydration is also really the wrong word because hydration obviously coming from water, hydrate. Yes, we do need to hydrate our skin, but applying water on the outside cannot get in. However, using the products, so either a, an emulsion, so um, water bound up in oil is one way to sneak water into our skin. And so, yes, we do need the water. Literally, our skin cells plump up when they have moisture in them. So really drinking it, but also by using the right products, using the right oils, they actually prevent the evaporation of the, of the moisture within our skin cells which is why in winter we all notice that if we're sitting in an office with heating on um, or just if you're outside and you're exposed to the elements and wind and all that kind of stuff, you'll notice that your skin is drier by the end of the day. If you're sleeping in, um, in a bedroom with a heater on, which is an absolute disaster for, disaster for so everybody. So many reasons. <laughs> but particularly for people with sensitive skin, it literally is dehydrating all your skin cells. So I'm recommending for everyone, go buy a humidifier. Make a massive difference to your skin. For sensitive skin, it's phenomenal. I mean, yes, it's great for colds and flus and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, but the humidifier is like a brilliant tool and should be in every bedroom as we go into winter. Absolutely. And I'll... I'll tack on top of your point as well if you're using a cleanser that is very very stripping you will often notice that film that sits on the skin Mm. like if you leave your skin for another two minutes or three minutes after you're done cleansing and you have that film that sat across your face and you're tight and nothing's getting through that it doesn't matter what moisturizer or serum you apply you've absolutely dehydrated everything and created this film on your skin. It's usually something in the product as well that will feign hydration. <laughs> that, that sometimes happens as well. Anything you apply after that. So if you are investing in these beautiful serums that are going to do wonders for your skin, what's the point of putting them on if your cleanser has just ruined that application for you? That you know, $80, $90, $150 serum is now pointless. Cleansing right. is so important. Getting that cleanser right, don't discount it. It is the foundation of your foundation. It is everything Good we need point. to start everything. And I know, and it's ironic, though, um, that when, when we do use a foaming cleanser, and this, this is more relevant for the less young amongst us, when you use a foaming cleanser, your skin feels tight. Yes. And... It gets that film that you're discussing, which makes it look a little bit shiny, which we also unconsciously associate with youth. But that is literally, that is literally your skin stripped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It's, it's barrier gone. <laughs> barrier gone. 
bye-bye. <laughs> exactly. Nice knowing you, Barrier. Yeah, bye. yeah. And we look, we need it for everything, as we said before. So I I would so love to pick your brain so much more about your cleansers that don't rinse, but I think we're very out of time. I could sit yes. here and chat to you all day about all of this, honestly. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for joining us. It has been so fantastic and so informative. I know rosacea is one of those topics that people really struggle to wrap their head around, sen- sensitive skin as well, trying to figure out what works, what doesn't. And I think you've offered a lot of amazing advice in there. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. What an impressive conversation that was. I loved it so much for the pure fact that if I had a dollar for every time a client came into consultation and said, my skin is sensitive, everything I put on it burns and stings, when it was truly sensitized, I think I would be a millionaire by now. Shoshana's description of inflammation and inflammatory skin conditions today certainly helped break down that confusion, which I hope you found valuable and might even be able to use in your next client conversation. If you know a therapist or somebody who would benefit from hearing more about skin conditions like the ones discussed today, please let them know that they can tune into today's conversation across all good podcast platforms or feel free to tag them in the conversation across our socials at Butte Industry and of course give our friends at QED Skincare a follow to show them how much you enjoyed today's episode. Always appreciative of your time. Until next time, stay connected.